the internet and all that was very confusing to me. And, you know, that I tried to be progressive and learn things. And it took me a long time. And, you know, like you said, it was around by 2005. And, um, and then um, Universal Press, they changed their name too, um, had Uclick. Maybe they still have Uclick, which is another way, another venue. Um, but again, I was unfamiliar and I couldn't, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it together. I do really remember feeling strange that it was pretty much you and Curtis were the only two that, you know, other than like Franklin or, you know, the occasional black up. character popping up, that was pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, well, let's see when that was another problem when they were trying to sell me. And um, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but maybe you are, but my dad was a cartoonist, nationally syndicated cartoonist. He had a comic strip, Luther, Los Angeles Times Syndicate. And 30 years before me, when they tried to sell his strip, they'd say, we already have We Pals. We don't need Luther. We already have Quincy. We don't need Luther. Um, for me, they would even say, we already have Curtis, and they wouldn't take me because they already had Curtis. And they would also say, we already have Kathy, so we don't need where I'm coming from. So I was like, I was, you know, hit by both sides. The Curtis thing to me is is funny in particular, because I, I would say that probably thematically, you prob- it's probably hedges closer to Kathy, because Curtis is really just, you know, it's like a, it, it, it was a kid strip, you know, it was like a lighthearted kid strip and the family happened to be black. Yeah, he took on some themes. He did, but but I just mean from the standpoint that Kathy was kind of an older person's strip. Yes, yes, and a woman. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that that all that's true. But to think that um, you can't have two women's points of view when all the other cartoonists under the sun were men. Like, oh, we have Mary Worth in our newspaper. We don't. Need- <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Do you suspect that it would have been easier or more difficult to really make a name for yourself had the strip come along 15, 20 years later and online comics were already a thing? Well, that's an interesting question. Because, you know, I actually created um, Where I'm Coming From in 1982. Um, and I didn't get, um, and it was for a magazine and it was a black magazine and it, Folded before I was printed, you know, before I came out. Anyway, so by... I'm uh, in publishing, so that is not an unfamiliar story yes, to me. Yes, I did see that, uh, you know, because I'm also... I was at Parents Magazine for 18 plus years. I was at Essence Magazine for... So I know, too. Yeah. Um, but this, well, Essence is still going, are they not? still going. They had a competitor at the time. It was called Elon. And, um, and it came out two issues. I was like, this is an exciting paper, a news magazine, you know. And um, when I met the editor-in-chief, she's like, you're kind of funny and you ha- you draw. Maybe you can do a comic strip. And I was like, yep, I can do that. But I had no idea. So I did not. I kind of stumbled into becoming a cartoonist. Um, so, I mean, and then when it happened, you know, um, I, it just happened the way it did. The Detroit was looking for it. I had it. I sent it. They liked it. Um, I was printed. Um, I, I went out and tried to get. Um, the syndicate's interested in me. Um, and I say your question is interesting because much later or while I was doing it, I felt like um, people would say, you've opened the doors for the 
strength of, you know, Bianca Eunice and Steens and these young women now who are doing it, um, that I opened the door. But I felt like when I was doing it, that I was actually clogging the door. Like I was in the way. They're like, we've got Barbara. We don't need. You were somebody else's Curtis. Yes. I was clogging. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And it's, it's a, um, it's a shame. It's a shame. But, you know, times are changing and there are a lot of independent comics now. So it's a lot of people are getting the voices out there. I feel like Boondocks in particular played an important role in really kind of kicking the door down. I do, too. I mean, um, Boondocks, same syndicate, Universal Press at the time, um, was a, was really um, out there being strong talking about black themes, talking about that real black folk. Yeah, characters named after Black Panthers. Yes, all of that, you know, um, was powerful. And I think I think he did. And and he came out when he started. His He had more strips at, at the start than, like, anybody. You know, like, they were like, Universal Press was like, wow. You know, he, he came out with, I don't know, hundreds of papers straight out the box, you know. Um, so... I think, I think he's, he, um, we kind of did open the door for him, you know, like my dad did. They're like, okay, maybe we can use a black comic, you know, maybe we can. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. He, he did do some, and I think he felt more, most comfortable doing the animation. And this is not to disparage Boondocks' comic because I, I certainly read it and enjoyed it, but it really did feel like he was kind of ramping up to do the show. I think so. And, 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 you know, he did it daily. That's a, that's quite a schedule to keep, you know, and, um, to get all that notoriety and to still have to, you, it doesn't matter what's going on, publicity, this, that talks with other people about other things. You still had to get the strip done. You know, you still had to meet your deadline. And I, I think he had trouble doing that too. It's like, it was a lot to juggle. Um, I think 99.99% of the population would have difficulty just coming up with a gag every day, let alone drawing every day. Yeah, yeah. A daily, my dad did a daily. Um, and so I saw every other week he was doing two weeks of Luther. So I actually saw how it was done. I, on the other hand, um, created this for a magazine, which I thought was going to be a monthly. I was like, bet, 12 in a year. I can do that. And then <laughs> when I got picked, I could write a year's worth in a week, really. Well, good. Um, and and then when it, they took me as a daily, I mean a, a weekly, and you know, I was I was um, from all of the syndicates. They're like, you have to do a daily. You can't do a weekly. They told me everything I could, everything I was doing. They said I couldn't do except for Universal. Um, and so I felt so every two weeks I was doing two strips. You know, and I was like, I can keep this up. I can do this. Why did that end up being your cadence versus just doing a strip every week? Um, they would do every other week. They would do so. They they took two at a time. Yes, yes, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, it could be that that's what syndicates do. My dad didn't have the same syndicate, but I know um, he had to do two weeks every other week. So every two weeks, he had to have two weeks done. In terms of you know when you were really in it and actively doing it, how how, how did you? How did you budget that time? I mean, did you end up just drawing and writing two in a week? Um, yeah. Well, what I what I would do is um, keep notes. I you know notebook or whatever is close that I needed to write at write down. You know, if by my nightstand, I might have had a tissue box, and I'm like I had an idea. I write it in the back of the tissue box, and I write it. And then when I knew it was almost due, I was like, okay, out of these, 
ideas? What can you make out of it? And I essentially, my, my method um, was always um, knowing what the gag is and then backtracking and like having making up a conversation to lead to what I wanted to say. Um, and then once I did that, I was like, well, this seems like something Nicole would say, you know, cause she was kind of airheady, you know? So I was like, so, you know, I started thinking about who it would be and that's how I did it. Part of me, I think understands the reticence on behalf of the syndicates, as far as the weekly thing, because it's really, that's how newspapers are set up. Right. I mean, they there really are for daily strips and is that part of the reason why it ended up on editorial pages in a lot of cases? Um, actually, I, I wanted it aside from, I mean, I, I kind of understood what um, what it meant, the real estate in the, in the newspapers, on the comic pages. Um, you had to um, draw by a certain, it had to fit a certain aspect ratio. It had to be, you know, exactly what they needed. Um, and you could only get in a, in a newspaper if another strip is taken out. Um, so, and you know, what's wild is that in my paper at home, I guess I grew up on Long Island. It was Newsday. And when my dad's strip, when they ended his 86, something like that, um, they took out Luther and they put in the far, um, they put in, um, Calvin and Hobbes. And, um, so just being a knucklehead, I was like, I'm not reading that. That took my bad spot. You know, it's like, and then when I read it, I was like, oh man, this is funny. <laughs> this is hilarious. You know, so I, one of the greats, really. I mean, like, un- undisputedly so. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and I, I was trying to give it a little, you know, he- I was hesitant to get into it because it took my dad's space. But, um, what they, what they, you know, they can make more money if you do a daily, you know, of course. Um, and, you know, they would say to me, you'd get a wider audience if you did a daily. Um, and I liked the idea of being on the editorial page or being on the women's issues page or being on the somewhere separate. And and that was because I also liked, I was a big fan of Jules Pfeiffer, you know, and, you know, you see it in the, the Village Voice. And here he has these characters talking directly to the reader. And it was once a week. And it was this large space. I was like, oh, I love that. Yes, <laughs> I love that. It's such a dumb thing, but, you know, like, obviously I was familiar with stri- your strip and I remember reading it when it was out, but in in, pre- in preparing for this conversation, I was listening to, to some interviews that you did and you mentioned Jules Pfeiffer and it, it clicked for me. It's like, yeah, yeah, obviously, like the Village Voice strips, obviously that was a huge influence on on the layout. Yes, yes. Absolutely. There's also a freedom in not having it on the comics page as far as subject matter, I would guess. Um, yes. Although I'd never entertained the idea of putting it on the comics page, even though this, you know, even to the end when it was time for me to, you know, cause you know, with a, with a, a um, a relationship with a syndicate, there's something built into the, to the contract where if you come down to a certain number of papers, um, we either one of us can quit, you know, it, if it's below this certain amount, either. One. And they kept me on longer than they needed to because I didn't want to stop. And I was glad Lee Salem was, you know, my champion, man. Um, and I, I even then when he's like, OK, we really do have to stop now. But how about if you did a, a daily? 
He's like, just g- give me something, you know? And, and I did come up with something that I thought was pretty clever that I thought might work. And he liked it, but he couldn't get enough people on board. He was like, you're betting 500. He's like, I know you don't understand what that reference is. <laughs> I have no idea. Like half the people like it. I was like, oh. Um, but he knew me that well. He's, he could throw that out. And I'm like, I don't know what that means because I'm not a sports person. Baseball is funny because it's like one of the rare instances in life where you can be successful one out of every three times and still be considered very successful. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I didn't get the reference, but they, they decided to pass on it. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like, let me send it here or there. And, they, you know, I was like, okay, maybe it isn't that great. I kind of settled back into something, into life, you know. <laughs> yeah, into having a family and just in being yeah. human, I guess. And work at a magazine. Yes. It takes a lot. Yeah. What was that second strip? It was called Druthers. If I had my druthers, it was druthers. It was like, so it was, it was a single. Pen- that is a very comic strip name. <laughs> I, you know, I showed it to, you know, many people and some of us like druthers, who, who even says that word? It's like, but I, I think it works. Cause if I had my druthers, you know, this, it would be this or that, you know, that's what it was, but it was a single panel and I thought it might be able to work, but it, it didn't, it didn't. It was a gag. So it was sort of almost like far side style. Um, yeah. So, you know, like if, you know, it, I'm going to try to think of one. Um, if I had my druthers, uh, it, it was when I walk into a, um, a fine store, you know, that I'm not, that the security card is, let me, I'm going to get it. <laughs> You're going to get your druthers sooner or later. Yeah. It'll come to me. But, um, but it's like, if, the idea was if I walk into a, into a fancy boutique, why nobody's paying attention to me. Anybody who works there is not paying attention to me. The only person who has eyes on me is the security guard because that's what you feel like as a black woman walking into Tiffany's, say, <laughs> you know. So it was those kinds of observations. I'm thinking of, of Al Jaffe's work that it's almost like you had a good gimmick, it sounds like. I thought, yeah, yeah. Al Jaffe, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind. For speaking of names, was the strip name, did that come from you too? It did. It did. So again, it was, it was created for a magazine. So my intention was, um, 12, 12 times a year, I would have a different black woman talking about where she's coming from. So it was just where I'm coming from. And it was this one woman head talking. Um, and that seemed to work really well in my opinion, you know, and they liked it right away. Um, and then when I started trying to, oh, when it sat and collected dust for a long time, but those same samples that I came up with for the magazine, I sent to Detroit when Marty Claus, who was the um, executive editor um, at the time, asked my dad, do you know any black cartoonists? And that's when he said to me, you know, are you going to talk about it? Are you going to do it? I was like, I'm going to do it. And I sent her the very same ones that I had sent to the magazine all those years ago. Like, so this is from 1982 to 1988. Um, and I sent those and they liked them and they went with it. I kept it where I'm coming from. And I, and originally I thought I would just do a different woman every time. Um, but the syndicate wasn't, didn't like that. They're like, no, they had, you have to have somebody that you need characters, characters that the, the audience can 
wink on to, you know, like Blondie, you know, it's like, there's like, there's somebody that they can, I was like, well, so I, I whittled it down to the nine that I ended up with. And I just kept it where I'm coming from. I mean, I didn't change it to where we're coming from. I just, it just said where I'm coming from. I feel like I kind of abstractly like understand what it means to have them talk about where they're coming from, but how did that how did that kind of manifest itself on on the page? What did it mean for them to talk about where they were coming from? Well, I felt from the beginning, I felt like um, it would just be somebody that you run into and you're talking to that person and you don't know anything about them. You don't know what their job is, you know, where they live, you know, if they've been to school, you know, if they work, you know, whatever. But um, they're coming from someplace, you know, they have a certain point of view and they have a certain position they take on different things around you. So that was the idea of, you know, just you run into this woman and she's going to tell you where she's coming from. And it has nothing to do with any of that other stuff, has nothing to do with her body, has nothing to do with um, her job necessarily. It has nothing to do with, you know, how fat she is, you know, whatever, you know, what her BMI is um, that she um, she had this point of view on this subject. But, but it could, right? It could have to do with her BMI if that's the thing that she's sort of thinking about or struggling yes, with that way. Well, I would, I would, you know, when my character, Jackie, she worries about, you know, being, you know, uh, overweight. That's an interesting frame as well. The initial concept, it's, it sounds like it's effectively a character study, which isn't something you really see in certainly not newspaper comics. Yeah. I guess, no, I guess you're right. You know, it's, I mean, um, I mean, my, I'm, I'm, I can, you know, really talk about uh, my dad's strip. I knew his characters. I knew um, what to expect from his characters. Um, so I, I know that, you know, cartoonists do, you know, decide what they want their character to be. But I, I was happy to stick with these same women and have have a wide range of um, what their views are on the world and hurt their lives. Um, it made it fun. I said a part of everybody, every one of those is actually me, you know, it's, it sounds like there's a sense in which you did kind of keep to that original idea, but you built yourself a cast of nine characters who could really, who could play those roles, who could play those roles and interact with each other, which was not the intention in the beginning. It was just going to be the, the character to the audience. And, um, once I was, you know, whittling it down, I was like, <laughs> This is interesting to have them relate to each other. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't agree with a, what a friend's doing. You think it's stupid what they're doing and you roll your eyes. You're like, oh, are you kidding me? You know, so, but, so that was one of the things that I, one of the favorable reactions I got was that there's, you know, the idea of seeing um, women who are best friends and their relationship and um, that, was probably filling a void in the, on the paper, in the newspapers as well. There's a very literal sense in which, the, which they are talking to you directly. Um, it, it's almost as if in a lot of cases, the conversations are really happening between two strips. That's interesting. Um, um, when I, um, Jerry Kraft is also a friend of mine and um, when, and we've known each other, since, you know, I don't know, the 80s or, you know, probably, certainly the early 90s. 
And we had actually thought about maybe we could do a strip together, you know, like he would be the, have the male character and I would have the female character. I mean, we talked about a lot of things, but that was one of the things we talked about. Um, but, um, I felt like it was all the same strip. I felt like, um, when I had them talking to each other, um, I felt like I wanted people to feel like they, um, were eavesdropping on these women talking and picking up what they're saying and getting to know them, but not really knowing them. Um, and then otherwise I'd have them talking, speaking directly to the reader. You know, it's funny, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned your dad's strip going away when, when he decided to finish it and that he, he was like, yes, I, I do know, a, I do know an African-American cartoonist, <laughs> which, which is funny because I, I, obviously this is not the case here, but like there is, there is a certain like built in nepotism to a lot of comics from, from the standpoint of, people camp out on the comics page to such a degree that they like they 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 pass it down to their children yes i mean um i just met um oh my gosh the guy does heathcliff love him oh yeah yeah um and um at at the cxc was a uh a cartoonist thing um yeah columbus yeah and um and he was it was passed down to him from his uncle i believe um and, you know, then the Lockhorns, the, the, the husband gave it to, the, you know, passed it down to his wife and um, the Beetle Bailey guys, you know, that was passed down. Um, so what's so striking to me and, you know, I don't, I don't need to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but what was so striking to me was that I had a separate strip than my dad's. I had a separate syndicate than my dad's. I actually have the um, rejection letter I got from my dad's syndicate. I wanted them to put that in the book. I was like, what about the rejection letters? You want that? Because um, that, did they end up putting them in? They didn't put the rejection ones in, but they do. They, but there is a a, um, a series of letters that shows how um, where I'm coming come, coming from came to be. But I think it's. I don't think that. I don't know if there's another father daughter who have both been. And that's. Um, we're both in the Library of Congress, and somebody at the Library of Congress said. We don't think we have any father daughters, you know, in the same category like we have you guys. And and we were separate. I didn't take his I didn't take over his strip. I didn't take over his syndicate. He did say he he was reached. They did reach out to him because he was a cartoonist. And he did say to me, you know, you tried to do this before. Do you are you still, you know, willing to try? And um it was like, are you presentation ready? And I was like, yes, indeed. What does that even mean? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, I am. And I sent it and they liked it. There wasn't a conversation about you taking his strip over. Never. When, when, um, when he was, when, you know, when I was living at home and he was doing the strip, um, it, I did help on the strip. You know, I did put on um, the uh, Zipatones, which he, what he used. Um, for folks who don't know, that's that paper, that film that you cut out and put it onto the, onto the image on the, on the actual drawing. And, um, I did do some coloring, some silhouettes at times and even did the lettering, um, at times. Um, so, but I did that to get, to get some extra money. I got paid, you know, so it's like, I did not in any way, shape or form think I was getting trained to be a cartoonist at all. At all. I just wanted, you know, money to hang out. <laughs> and that's what I did. You thought you were going to be a writer. 
I thought I wasn't quite sure what I what I was going to be. And I went to Syracuse. I went there. Um, you had to have, if you wanted to be in their VPA, um, College of Visual and Performing Arts, you had to um, also send, you had to, you know, do okay on the SATs. You had to meet that level, but you also had to send in a, a portfolio. And I, I, you know, the folks, when I was growing up, you know, um, I had good art teachers. Um, they had what they call talent art classes. And they would always have me in those classes. So I felt like, I was like, I am going to study art. That is what I'm going to do. What the hell does that mean? It's like art. That's so big. It's so broad. So I go there and I'm like, "Mm, I'll be a fashion illustrator. No, I'll be a fashion designer. No, I will be, I'll be a painter. You know, it's like I went all over the place. That's pretty common, I think, with, you know, with a lot of kids entering college of just like basically trying to figure out what you don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and also when when I had um so and and then I was the oddball as well among my friends because um I was in this VPA. I was in um and nobody else was. And then, you know, I can remember freshman year and me saying, you know, in the dining hall or whatever, you know, because I just gone, gotten back from a studio and the studios were from, you know, all day, 8 a.m. You have a lunch break until five. Then you go to the dining hall and everybody's sitting together and I'm talking about how I'm drawing. Um, it's figure drawing class. They're like, they're naked people in your classes. Yes, there are. Are there men? Yes. It was like really uh, uh, a revelation. You know, it's like, so I was an oddball, a bit of an oddball. Um, among my friends. And that's okay. It was good. Yeah. What I wanted to do with it. For a vast majority of people, fine art is not a tenable career path. Is is that basically what you bumped up against? I did. I did. Um, I didn't think, I, you know, you're sitting there. This is the other thing I didn't like about um, art school. Because you you have these assignments, you do these assignments and everybody puts their work up on the wall and then everybody gets to critique. And I was like, why on God's green earth do I care what another 18-year-old thinks about my drawings, you know? But that, I can remember feeling that. I was like, this isn't quite right. But I also could see some really extraordinary uh, talents in in the um, in some of my painting classes. I was like, okay, that might not be me. You know, it's like, and then I was like, maybe I like the idea of, of perhaps album covers, you know, maybe I'm going to be an illustrator, you know? So I was, I was all over the map and for, um, electives, I was all over the map again. He was like, I like, I like, um, sociology. I like speech. I want to try speech making. I want to try, you know, I I was, I was all over the place. Um, hence I never got my, um, degree. I had all the credits I needed there four years and, but it wasn't in the right place. Yeah. It wasn't concentrated in a specific area. I needed, I needed somebody to hold my hand. Syracuse is big. You know, I needed a guidance counselor, like from high school, you know, it's like, but you know, and mortified my parents, you know, that I would go to school for um, four years, have to pay that, that, that loan back till I was 40, you know, and still no degree. I was a creative writing major in college and it was, it was similar. I mean, it wasn't quite like, obviously it wasn't quite hanging, you know, painting on the wall and everybody everybody looked at it, but, oh, it's my week to turn in a short story. Everybody here reads it. And that is such, right. It's a mortifying experience as I'm somebody who like, 
I've got a lot of social anxiety and it was just, I dreaded those moments. But now that I think back on them and I don't know, I, I don't know that this was necessarily the intention, but now that I think back on them and, you know, I, I write for a living now, I write for a lot of people. I'm a, I'm a journalist. I think that there is a way in which that kind of gives you a thicker skin because you're, yeah. if you put your stuff in the world, you're going to get criticism. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely true. That's, that's, that's a good point. Uh, but, you know, the other side of that for me was these people are my, are my contemporaries. You know, it's like, I want to get real input from somebody who's already in, who's in the know and who has, you know, I guess when I, that's the way I felt at the time. And, but again, like you say, looking back, you know, everybody has something to offer, you know, whether they're your age, even younger, somebody can say something and, and, you know, make you realize, ah, and thought about it that way. You know, you have kids and you're like, wow, they wait, they awaken you to things that you weren't quite, you you didn't know. So, but at the time I felt like, what do I care what, you know, Ralph has to say? <laughs> it's like myself, my stuff. Yeah. I'm not even implying that like most of the criticism that you get in the real world is, is constructive at all. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause again, like I, I write online and there's a very, you know, the, there's a cliche, never read the comments. Yeah, because yeah. they're anonymous. Yeah, they're always terrible. Yeah, and, and I think certainly if you're writing, you know, you're writing on a comics page, or you know, you're or a comic, not comics page. You're, you know, you write your stuff is coming out in newspaper, so it's it's not necessarily like self selected. It's like anybody who you know reads that newspaper can read that that script and that strip. And I think an upside of that critique that I just that I just didn't get at the time, but I do get now, is that it gives you a thicker skin. And you learn to either accept and internalize the criticism for better or for worse, or you know, or you have to sort of double down and and fe- and if you feel like you're on the right path, then you need to keep going in that direction. Honestly, yeah, I agree. Because um, you know, I got you know back when I was doing it, people had to um, take out a piece of paper, find a pen, write it down, put it in an envelope, find a stamp, put it in the mail. You know, so it wasn't that you know immediate. You know, I don't like this. But so I kept the file of, you know, fan and not so fan letters, you know, two different files. And frankly, the not so fan letters um, were kind of um, invigorating and they kind of made me feel like, oh, I pressed a button. I must be on the right path. You know, oh, this is this is irritating someone. What I say. So I feel I, it was um, empowering, even as I was working on it. What were those buttons that you were pressing? Um, well, I often got letters about um, my characters being anti-white, and I'm like, because of their very existence. <laughs> that is like talk about a setup for the current moment. <laughs> You were ahead of the curve on on that feedback. I'm telling you, I, but I would also get that I was against men, and um, it's like wrong. I would get that from, like I said, like we talked about earlier, that I wasn't in this New York area, and by then I was living in Brooklyn when I was working on the strip, and um, met a lot of you know we didn't you have a lot of it's Fort Greene, so there was like a lot of um, talent in that area and you know you go to parties you meet people you know all that kind of stuff 
And, you know, you find out somebody talks to you and they're like, oh, I'm a cartoonist. Oh, you're a cartoonist. Yeah. Well, what's, what, you know, usually they think it's, are you doing something for children? It's like, no, it's actually for adults. And then, or like, they think animation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, and they have these certain ways that they think about, you know, when you say I'm a cartoonist or for me, it was also um, trying to make a distinct, to this day, it's um, trying to make sure when I'm talking to people that I'm clear, you know, <laughs> they say, we're going to have a cartoonist come talk today. And then, you know, you get a whole stream of kids. I'm like, hold it guys. I don't do comic books. <laughs> I do newspaper comics. And um, it's a whole, a whole nother animal. Um, but the point I was going to, what I was getting to is that, you know, so you meet people and you're like, oh, you're a cartoonist. Oh, kids, no, no, it's adults. It's my characters are all women. They're all black women. Oh, so you're just dogging men. I, I get it. I'm like, you haven't even read it. You just make that assumption, you know, which is, you know, frightening, but also um, made me feel like that's, that seems like somebody who is insecure, you know, <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a, it's certain, it served, uh, uh, for me, uh, as a way to, uh, weed out, you know, people who were, who were just making those kinds of assumptions, you know, like, all right, let's dance, but that's as far as this is going to go. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's how it goes. It's so interesting, this idea that your existence or the strip's existence or the fact that, you know, as you said, that it's, that it's nine black women, that all the characters are, are black women, that the sheer existence people feel like is a problem is a problem. Mm -hmm. Is there, but I mean, is there, is there also a way in which, you know, it is, it is a statement or it is, you know, I don't want to say transgressive, but maybe it even was transgressive and acts at the time or, or in a way, just a political act of just saying, "Listen, I'm here, and you know, all all of my characters are black women, and I'm gonna, yeah, 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 I'm gonna take you into this world." Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it it that makes me think of. Um, I was on. Um, um, I got a lot of publicity when I first um, when it first came out because I was the first black woman to be in the mainstream press, and by mainstream we mean the white press. That's a lot of pressure. It, yeah, and it was, and it's like, oh, we want you on People Magazine. We want you, you know. I was like, I was when going back through these boxes of, of um, for drawn and quarterly, going back through these boxes, I was like, wow, that was really popular. I mean, because some of it was, you know, is in and out. You know, I don't even, I didn't even hold on to it in my head, but I keep everything because I'm a pack rat. But um, I was on uh, Good Morning America, right? And, and um, we're sitting there. Um, I'm excited, nervous, you know, um, and, uh, what's the guy's name? But, was it Charlie Gibson? Was he the guy at the time? Maybe. Is he, he's the guy with the crazy teeth? Like, you know, you know, Hartman maybe? No, who is that? There's somebody, anyway, I can't remember. I feel bad whenever you say anything now. You're like, oh, what did she have to say about? But anyway, right before, just before we're sitting down and, you know, it's the two of us sitting down, you know, it's like five seconds to go and you know they they do the you know the number you know thing. yeah yeah that where they get silent for the last two yeah yeah countdown yeah. yeah yeah and he leans in and he says how are you gonna how are you gonna how is this even gonna be sold at any other in a city that's not a black city action i was like what so i i don't know if that was his technique on getting me um grounded and ready to 
Or angry, really. Angry, you know, that I would come back with an attitude and, I, you know, we'd have a real, you know, maybe terse conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm very easygoing. It's hard to make me be angry at somebody and I'm not going to blast anybody um, in person. I can do that in the, in the, in the, <laughs> but it really, but the idea, the very idea that having black characters, all black characters um, in a paper that's in a white uh, community that they would not be interested in it. I mean, I find that insulting, you know, it's like by having all black characters, I'm not trying to make a statement that, you know, I'm just, cause you know, conversely, you know, what we, what we know is all white characters, you know, all, and, and like, well, are you making a statement? You know, are you making a statement? This is not part of my existence. So, and, and uh, hence we become the other, you know, everything seems normal. That's why everything that's of color, so to speak, is other. And um, that's a, that's a, a weird place to be in, you know, that, I mean, I mean, we're born into that. So you, we, you live with that and you talk about it and um, it's interesting. Anybody who's the first person to do something, yeah. especially if it's, I mean, let's be honest, especially if it's, it's racial, like there is a way in which it is kind of inherently political or, you know, wh- whether or not, you know, that is your intention. And it, and it sounds like your intention was really to just like to talk about the people that, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, to me, um, cause I, I always want to be able to mention that, you know, people say, well, you weren't the first one. I'm like, no, I wasn't the first black woman cartoonist. It was Jackie Orms. She did a, a comic strip, Torchy Brown for the black press. Black press was very important, very important. Many people don't even know anything about the black press. So they had, uh, Oliver Harrington, one of the great, um, black cartoonists, um, before my dad, a generation before my dad, um, and and the two of them um, made a bond. You know, I don't know if they they actually didn't meet. You know, I actually met Oliver Harrington, but um, my dad. But my dad, they had this mutual admiration um, going on, and um, because my dad was in the mainstream press or in the white press, and it made a difference. So he was like one of the first. He's like of the three: Maury Turner. Uh, Ted Shearer and my dad were the first three to be in the white press. And there's actually one important one that doesn't get talked about enough. George Harriman. Oh, um, yeah. I think he passed at the time because I think he was Creole, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, it is such an interesting thing that he was, you know, he's still one of the most celebrated cartoonists of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's um, somebody sent me a story uh, about um, a, a slave cartoonist who um it was a very interesting story um so i mean we've been cartooning forever you know we've been you know and and it's uh such a way to record our history you know how we are in this how we how we were living in this space and time what what we found funny you know what we found interesting worth worthy of talking or telling a story about um so so I always like to bring up um, Jackie Orms because I don't want people to think that I don't recognize that. I happen to be, you know, I was a research director. I happen to love research. You know, I like, I love to fact check. You know, I like, that's what I, that was my job, you know, for many, many years. Um, but when I didn't find out about Jackie Orms until she passed, and I think she passed in 86. So um, right before Detroit picked me up, I knew about her. 
you know, and I was like, wow, um, it was, I was pleased and I, and I know that I'm standing on her shoulders, but I do make the first in the white press and, you know, making that, you know, crossover is, is kind of a thing, you know, it's kind of a thing. As an archivist and and as a self-declared pack rat, as you said, <laughs> as a researcher by, you know, both job and nature, um, what was the experience like of working with Drawn and Quarterly and going back and really, you know, digging up not only the strips, but a lot of the, um, uh, like the, the paraphernalia, a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stories and a lot of the paperwork around yeah. the strip. It, it was, um, it was really, it was really kind of exciting for me. Um, cause I really forgot, had forgotten how, um, publicized i was the first time around how how much um because i would think if you you know you go on a good morning america you, you know that you you, know, you never forget that yeah i mean i didn't i didn't actually forget but it wasn't foremost in my mind and um so that that story that i told you about the good morning america that's that stuff with me i i tell that story often um but um but you know I, i'm looking at my notebooks and it's like i saw this i didn't remember i saw um the arsenio hall people had called i was like what I didn't remember that. It's like, I, I, and my, my dad would say to me over and over, you need to write this down. I was like, how could I forget all this that's happening? He's like, you need to write it down. And I didn't listen. So now I go, I'm going back through boxes and I'm, I'm seeing stuff. I mean, first, you know, talking to do the drawn and quarterly thing, you have to go back through your old work, you know, cause which is scary, you know, to start with, because nobody wants to look at what they did before. Um, um, so I was pleasantly surprised there. There was enough that I thought yeah, I did have something, you know. Um, but also um, finding all these, what, what makes me laugh is um, things, often they were saying, well, this is the beginning. You are going to take off and you are going to be, you know, in, <laughs> how much money I was going to make and how much, how big it was going to be and all that. Of course, no, I mean, I shouldn't say of course, but none of that materialized. Um, I You made a good living for a long while and that, you know, that's a victory in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, but when you're, when you're, uh, you know, depending on how many papers you have and you don't have um, is, is how much money you make. So there was a pocket of time where I didn't have to do anything else. But other than that, I was, I was hustling. But when you're in your twenties and you know, I, like I have a lot of bands on the show, and so this is always a story. When you're in your twenties and somebody's whispering in your ear that you're the next big thing, you, yeah. you believe it. You do. I was. I mean, I can. I can remember. I. I would be. Um, I, I. I found an article. Where somebody said something like that to me. I said, "Yeah." Or none of that could happen. I mean, I. I mean, because that's the kind of sense of humor I have, and none of it did. But um, nothing. I mean. I had calls from Hollywood. I was flown out to talk about ideas. You know, all these things were happening in the nineties for me. Um, and you know, some things developed into something that I was no longer connected with, but you know, that happens too. Um, so that's kind of what I, I uh, uncovered. It was kind of fun to see some of this old stuff and, and how I was thinking back then. And, um, how I was perceived back then. And um, I feel like, I was like, I need to rejuvenate that young one because I had a lot of nerve, you know, I had a lot of spunk. 
something happens. You get older and you're like, you have a kid, you get married, you have a kid, and you're like, you start second guessing yourself. You're like, oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm ruining my child. You know, you, everything is. Well, things change when there's another life depending on you. Yeah, dramatically, dramatically. Yeah. I was asked, what, um, how did um, having a kid affect my character? who has the only one, only one of my characters has a kid. And um, I said, it, it, part of what happened was um, I thought I knew what it was like to be a parent. So I felt com- confident having Lydia have a baby. You know, it's like I, my friends were having babies. I was like, um, I was, um, I would babysit. I would go on class trips. I would do, you know, I was doing everything. Anything they couldn't do, I could do. I love kids. I love them. And then I had a kid. I was like, oh my God, this is, it's, it just changes everything. You know, your, you, your whole um, way of thinking is um, selfless. You know, you, 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 you're out of yourself and you're all about this other little person and making sure they have their, you're, you're trying to do the best you can at every moment of time and every stage in, in their life. And, um, and you're not always very good about it, but my character got very, um, got more, uh, would think more about the world would, would be more introspective and trying to figure out, am I doing what's the right thing for my child in this space, in this world? Um, worrying about how she's going to be received in a place that marginalizes her, you know, um, worrying now, worrying about what's going on in the world. Um, and also I, I let her grow up a little bit because when she first started, she was just this circle, these little hands, you know, an oval, you know, she was swaddled all the time. Um, and then I was like, she became a toddler because I, it was fun to see the way babies move and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it did, it did evolve. It did evolve. Um, and that doesn't always happen in comics. You know, usually everybody stays the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's the sitcom thing of like, of it resetting every time yeah. you get to the end. Yeah. You have a son, is that right? I do. I do. And he was born when the strip was ha- still happening? Yeah. He was born in um, 1998. And I, my strip started, um, I was started... In 89, I got the first newspaper. That was Detroit Free Press. And I was syndicated by 1991. And um, so, yeah, he came in 1988. Yeah. So he's 24 now. Is that right? Um, yeah, he's 24. 24. Yeah. Yeah. Has he or did he express artistic ambitions? He is um, He is a dancer. He is a rapper. He is a brilliant guy. He is, he's he, a multi-hyphenate, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, my husband is a musician, uh, an accomplished musician. So oh, he, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Look up Monty Croft, um, instrumentalist, songwriter, composer, all those things. Plays every instrument you can think of. Um, sings, blah blah blah, all of that. And so this is what Chase had the um, grew up with me on the drawing table, Dad with instruments all over the house, um, and he. He went to um, NYU. He went to the Gallatin School, um, and um, he just graduated um, two years ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, whatever. Um, and you know what's funny is um, a friend of mine, um, Tim Fielder, uh, who's a cartoonist, comic book cartoonist, and um, he went to Gallatin. I knew that. And I'm not really much of a show-off person, but I was like, Tim, I have to 
I tell you, Chase got accepted to Gallatin. His, his reaction was, ah, oh, a weirdo. <laughs> I was like, yes, because you can be such an individual there. So, I mean, he's, he was on the Dean's list twice. Um, he's, he's just this brilliant guy. Um, he's, he, he, he's brilliant with words. He's brilliant with um, all kinds of things. You know, how it's going to manifest ultimately in his life, I don't know. He sounds like he was in a very similar position to the one that you were in when you went to college. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize that, but it's absolutely true. Yes, it's absolutely true. He's, but he got his degree and I didn't. <laughs> I, I, part, part, of the, you know, part of the reason why, why I asked about his artistic ambition specifically is because, you know, you, you did what your dad did, you know, and, and it sounds like, you know, from all accounts that he was very supportive of that, which is, which is great, but also, you know, and I like to ask this of all artists I speak to who have kids, particularly ones who like had parents who are, you know, musicians or whether, whether there's a part of you that almost wants to discourage them from taking that path because you know how difficult it can be. I, I don't, I, you know what I, I've always wanted before he was even born, you know, or I was pregnant or whatever. It's like, can I just have, a decent human being, somebody who can find happiness and be happy. Uh, of course, that never, you know, put a lot of money in my pocket, you know, you know, or our pockets. But um, I'd never, I never discouraged him. You know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about battle rap, but he's ascending in that world. That's not something that I would, you know, have imagined. But that's he loves it, you know, and he's good at it. You know, it's like okay, <laughs> um, so. So, um, and, and I felt like, um, there was one other, um, black girl at the VPA when I was there, um, in my grade, I don't know what happened to her. I wonder, but I felt very, um, it was very different for me to be a black girl who liked to draw that her parents allowed her to go to Syracuse and study art. You know, that seems like, you know, it wasn't, didn't seem practical you know, how are you going to make money? What are you going to do to, to be, you know? And um, that's specifically that, that being a black woman would, would make it more difficult to make a living doing it. I think so. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I, I fell into comics, doing comics myself and, and really, um, loved it once I started it, you know, I was like, Oh, I can be heard and nobody has to see me. I like that. You know, it's like <laughs> behind the scenes. I, it was just a perfect way to get my crazy ideas and my strong feelings out, you know. So um, that was that was great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it would be difficult. You know, you'd, I didn't see any other. Um, when I go to talk at places and I see young um black kids and they're like, they want to study and, and, you know, they don't think their parents are going to let them they're like, you better do something to make some money. You know, it's like you better figure a way to let, let that be in the back background, you know, do that on the side, but don't you, you are not really encouraged to go full force. I guess there is a, a way in which black parents traditionally have had to be more pragmatic because they know how difficult it is. Yes. It's passed down. Absolutely passed down. Yeah. I can remember, I mean, I, I'm probably talking on too much, but um, um, I can remember um, my dad, um, I was saying when I was younger, I was like, 
thinking about the world and world history and all that. Cause that's, that's the kind of hit I had. Um, and I'm like, this is crazy. I have to write these wrongs. This is crazy. This racism and this and that I'm going to do something. That is so much to put on yourself, especially as a kid. I know, but it, that's the way I felt. And he's, and my dad was like, you know, cool your jets. You know? <laughs> Might be the best advice he ever gave to you. It's just like, <laughs> calm down a bit and <laughs> reassess. <laughs> That's not going to happen. He's like, and, and and he used the word insignificant, and I was like, "What me?" And um, I told him this years later. He was he was floored that that I that he had said that. He didn't realize that he had said that. That's kind of harsh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I whenever yeah, it's like whoa. It's like me. I cannot be. You know, I, I'm going to do this. Um, but he was like, calm down. And and what it, what he was really trying to do is what you recognize at first is like don't. You know, you can aim for the stars, but just be prepared that the whole world's not going to take you that way. You can, yeah, it's, it's, you, you, he just wanted me to be more real, you know, like, let's, let's really look at what's, what we're talking about here. And and just the realization of how much of it is, you know, blind luck and how much of it is timing. I mean, you know, you mentioned, I'm always like, I love talking to cartoonists about their Hollywood deals. You know, I talked to the Hernandez brothers recently and they spent a lot of time, you know, pitching pilots. And, you know, it's funny because you're saying like, I could, this would have been the perfect cartoon for the nineties. It would have made, it would have made perfect sense. Like if the right thing had come, you know, if like Fox or whoever had come along, like it would have been a perfect fit. Um, um, I was flown out there. They hooked me up with um, an agent it's CAA. Um, they hooked me up with um, Thomas Carter, who is a uh, director and producer. Um, I went and pitched ideas with in connection with my um, characters. They were excited. I actually belong to the Writers Guild because you if if you get a, if you get a um, a deal um, that is a certain amount of money, you have to belong to the Writers Guild. You don't you don't even need a credit. No, no, just just that you had a deal and that you were going to get paid this for this idea, um, but it didn't it didn't happen. Other shows came out that were amazingly like the idea that I came out there with, um, and I didn't get any any love behind it. You know, um, two shows came out, and I, I, you know, honestly, they. Um, Within the book, it's kind of an origin story. So, it's, you know, like I said, it tells all this way of how it happened. But it also, um, there's uh, Rebecca Wanzo, a professor, um, who that's, she um, teaches, um, she's a she's a scholar in comics, but also in women's health. I mean, women's rights and, you know, I can't even talk. That's that's great for a podcast. But um, she she wrote this um, very long essay that puts my work into historical context, and she had mentioned one of the shows that I was just talking about in in her in her essay. It's like I get the similarity. I know why there's a similarity. I, she didn't know how close she got. Yeah, yeah, she really hit the nail on the head. And I was like, so I was like, I, and I don't care if anybody else makes that kind of um, connection. Uh, I just didn't want it in my book. I have an idea. Yeah. We'll talk about when I'm off, but I, I have some idea of what it might be. Yeah. I, I suspect you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, which no. I, I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned in the process of putting the book together, of almost reconnecting with this kind of younger firebrand 
you know, like cocky, yes. self-assured, self-assured version of yourself. Yes. Did it also spur something in you as far as, you know, as far as making art and, and as far as wanting to kind of to, to reconnect with that part of your life? Yes. Um, and I am very um, grateful that the Drone and Quarterly people, um, what a great team they are. They um, put some of my post syndication strips in there. Um, mm. And um, I mean, that's, that's not a, um, exactly what you asked me, but um but what spurred me on to start doing it again was um, when um, um, 45 came down the escalator. I was like, okay, I got to start doing this again. And um, so I did a lot of, um, I didn't, you know, it, it, they're not just political, but they're, they're more, they're more direct. And because you have that freedom, you don't have a syndicate, you can say whatever you want. I put it up on Instagram um, or Facebook or whatever. Um when I, you know, I feel it, I don't have a, I don't have a deadline or anything. I just do it when I feel it. Um, but I was so glad that they put that in the book um, because, and, and then going through, through the stuff that I was going through, I was like, yes, I'm, I'm on to something here. You know, I feel on to something that, that may spark uh, a more um, courageous Barbara who used to be, you know, a firecracker back in the day. I, I wish that you holding your fist up like that picked up on the audio. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great little moment. And unfortunately it will be lost to time. <laughs> That's funny. I don't even realize what I do that, but yes. So basically Trump coming into office and all, and all the hell that has since broken loose because of it, that, 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 that awoke something in you. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. And, and, there, there's, um, I, and then the reaction I get, of course, they're my friends or, you know, it's friends on Facebook or friends on, you know, it, it's such, so supportive. They're like, these are great. I was like, thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, that kind of thing that like, I was hearing those same kind of things that I heard when I did the strip, you know, you're saying exactly what I'm thinking, you know, which they, uh, which is really empowering, you know, that I, that I'm a voice for folks who haven't figured out how to make their voice out there. <laughs> 